0: Growing up with a bipolar mother, Diana Min experienced physical, emotional, and mental abuse and neglect to the point where she was ready to commit suicide at age eight. And it wasn't until age 26 that she finally found a shamanic practitioner who opened a doorway to the healing powers of ayahuasca. Join us to find out more. So net to show.
1: Show you're invited, delighted to discover who you are. Anything is possible if you believe.
0: To so join us on this beautiful journey. So that to show, so that to show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Nectar Show, that show where we talk about all things essence, where we gather on the campfire and we share our stories of connection to that which is bigger than us, to the great mystery beyond the veil, to the very vulnerable experiences that we have inside the flesh and what does it all mean and what are we here for and and how do we navigate this thing called life? And these are the discussions that happen on Soul Nectar Show. I'm your host Carrie Hummingbird and I love having these conversations because they really illuminate for me so many new aspects of the life experience. And when I hear other people's stories, it just opens me up and inspires me. I hope it inspires you as well. That's why I keep bringing people on the show. And if you are navigating a vulnerable part of your life's journey and you'd like some community and some support, just reach out and find me at my website, kerryhummingbird.com. That's K-E-R-R-I hummingbird.com and book a little chat and we'll have a talk and see where you're at and what you need and see if I'm the person to walk a little while with you on your journey. So today's guest, I'm so excited, Diana Min is here with us. Welcome, Diana.
1: Hi, Carrie. Thanks so much for having me.
0: You're welcome. So Diana is from New York City, natively, and she began her spiritual journey growing up at a Thai Buddhist temple surrounded by monks and meditation from the ages of 5 to 15. That is an awesome way to begin. So we're going to hear about that. But she also had some really unimaginable abuse happening in her private life due to some mental illnesses and i know that um i definitely resonate with that on my journey there's been a lot of that abuse and um things that just in my early childhood you wouldn't believe how long that stuff has an impact in your life, even when it's long gone and over. So uh, Diana, like many people, addiction to alcohol and drug use developed quickly as she tried to escape the painful reality of her upbringing and all that PTSD and the diagnoses, those diagnoses. Thank you, psychology industry for giving us a reason to not like ourselves very much. We're so appreciative of that. So... (laughs) You know, these issues can really haunt you throughout your whole life. So at 26, Diana suffered a mental breakdown. We're going to hear about that a little bit today. But then she found a shamanic healer and check it out because that's totally my path. I love ayahuasca. I love ceremony. I love the Amazon. And these are all things that Diana has been definitely part of her life experience and healing and now we're talking about this for the masses bringing this out into the masses i you can follow her on on the urban indigo and i'm on her new her new uh, summit her new series that is going to be out already by the time this comes out but uh, check her out because i know she'll this is not the only gig she's going to be doing (laughs) does this message needs to get out there so diana Tell us a little bit about you, what you know, what do you do today, and then and then tell us more about that beginning journey. Tell us how you found their way.
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, right now I am a spiritual mentor, an intuitive coach. I help spiritual entrepreneurs get in alignment with their most authentic expression to really allow their souls to be manifested in the physical world and hopefully create a business and something thriving out of their gifts, of their natural innate gifts that they have and really activating people into their power and and aligning them with their true path and healing. You know, obviously healing is a huge, um, within my business because we can't do anything unless we heal, right? We can't go anywhere without our inner child being on board. So really a lot of that inner work that needs to happen before we step out into the external world to try and step into our purpose, our power. So that is what I'm currently doing. And I love it. I am so, so just you know, lit up by it because it's my journey, right? It's my journey that I've walked and I've had to um navigate. And then now I get to share, you know, all the tools and trip tips and hacks that I that I've learned to try and help other people uh walk that same similar path. Not the same path, but the similar path. Um, but yeah, how I got started, I mean, you know, we kind of you kind of touched on it a little bit in, in my bio it was just um, it, it was a tough journey, you know, sometimes when, when you've gone, done so much healing, like even hearing that, I'm like, that sucks for that girl. Like I can't even, <laughs> I can't even like energetically connect with the girl that was going through all that stuff. But, you know, in certain moments I can, when I'm still, you know, unraveling and, and ever unfolding into to certain Um, into new levels I can feel like remnants of like that pain and that suffering that I that I experienced you know my mother she was bipolar so it was extremely challenging for me you know being physically abused being mentally abused emotionally abused not only by her but um, through the neglect of my father who was also suffering a lot of you know um, trauma from his childhood, and then my sister, who was also suffering trauma from them, and then you know taking it out on me. So I was just receiving it from all sides, as you know the the black sheep, the whipping girl of the family. And so it was very early on, you know, through through that um, that journey that I just wanted to. Die. I remember I had suicidal thoughts when I was like eight years old, 12 years old, trying to kill myself and just really wanting to escape how miserable my life was at that time and not having any solace, you know, and, and I, I've talked about this with somebody else who's doing, you know, trauma work within schools and how much I like desperately try to reach out to teachers, counselors, you know, try to find some help and, and it was just wasn't there because... I just wasn't, you know, and so um, as I grew up, I just turned to drugs and alcohol, and that was my escape, and I mean, I turned into an alcoholic pretty quickly, probably from my first drink, where I was just like, wow, I can escape my pain this way, this is great, and um, um, that, you know, quickly developed into alcoholism, which led to, you know, other unfortunate circumstances of being raped, and being drugged, and, you know, just, getting arrested, getting DWIs and like having a lot of violent episodes. I was a very violent person that's it would come out when I would drink because that is the reality that I experienced. And so, you know, as we, as we go through these things, we recycle the behaviors that we know. And so for me, all I knew was violence. So I would just be this terrible, violent, vicious person. Ugh. And, um, you know, it it continued. I mean, it's not that I wasn't, and I was still achieving things, you know what I mean? I was still graduating high school and college and and then getting a, awesome jobs and working in New York City, doing all the things that I thought I was supposed to do externally achieving, right, but internally dying and and being miserable and trying to find things to fill my soul, you know, buying designer bags and shoes and men and vacations and trying to look good like everything was perfect and, you know, and being so, like, physically focused on my appearance um, when internally I was, you know, I went into a really bad drug um, kind of for like a couple years, let's say like five years. I mean, people like cocaine and, and MDMA and, and I mean, really anything that was available, I was just trying to escape existence. I really was, when I think back on those years, was really asking to die because I just didn't value my life, I didn't value myself, and I just couldn't, the experience of life was just so painful that I was like, just take me from this, you know, anything. Um, You know, when I I turned 26, I actually went to Costa Rica for my birthday, and it it was something about the energy of that, of the frequency of that place that was Hmm. extremely and really beautiful and and something that just connected with me, right? And so when I came back to New York, and this is also, every time I flew back to New York from like some type of tropical vacation, whether I went to Thailand or South America, I would come back to New York City and cry hysterically in the airport. Like, I just did not want to go back. My soul was just like in so much pain to go back and I would never understood why. <laughs> I just sobbing on the
0: airplane. I'm like, I don't know. I'm just miserable here. It's miserable <laughs> to go home to New York City where everyone's angry and hostile what? and you know <laughs> slamming each other on the sidewalk and stuff like that. Right. Been there. right. Living in a box. Right. And, um, I remember I was in my, in my
1: apartment and I just like, I was just having a breakdown. Like I was having that mental breakdown and I just was crying and I just felt like, it's not like I wanted to kill myself, but I just wanted to get out of my body. I wanted, like, I felt like my skin was crawling and I just mm. couldn't exist in it anymore. And, um, I had, uh, it was also working in nightlife so i was working as a bottle waitress in new york city uh which is just like the depths of hell like I just
0: <laughs> the most like toxic people ever because yeah, the they all want to feel special and the way to feel special is to have status and be treated really well and so they expect you to grovel and probably all that stuff like Right, right. And I had gotten
1: also raped in that industry as well. I had got drugged and raped by one of my managers that I actually ended up working for for three years, but I didn't remember because I was, you know, unconscious. So a lot of a lot of things just being stepped on, you know, And, and at the time, that's what I energetically agreed that I deserved. And that's what I did, you know. And so one of the girls I worked at in a nightclub had given me a number of this healer, um, like, a year ago. And it was just in my phone for a whole year. And in the middle of this mental, like, just breakdown, I just called this woman, the strange woman, never talked to her ever before. She she usually didn't even pick up the phone. She ends up picking up the phone. I'm like crying hysterically on the phone with this stranger. <laughs> and she's like, listen, I'm in Brooklyn. When you're ready, you can come see me. And I went to go see her about a month later. And it was the first time anybody had really ever asked me, like, what happened to you? You know, I don't think anybody had ever t- took the time or even had the introspection to look beyond like my addictions and my anger my violence and see like what happened to you and for me to just start to really dig up some of the things the horrible things that happened to me you know my mother used to leave me outside um she used to waterboard me with the shower like thing and like yeah it was just things like getting choked getting beaten. in you know having staplers thrown at my face things like that just and on top of the verbal and emotional abuse you know of just being called stupid and dumb and retarded you can't do anything you know days I would spend crying and they would like threaten to like send me away you know because there's something wrong with you like you know and all that stuff and finally having this woman being like you are suffering so much and I couldn't even really afford her and she's like but I need to help you And I worked with her for six months doing things I had no idea what was going on. As I mean, as an intro into this, you know, mystical world, you know, she lays me down on this table, there's drumming happening, there's rattles going, and I'm just laying there, um, just like receiving all this. And I started to feel some shifts happening, right? Like there was a moment, I think maybe after like our second or third session, that I could almost like taste this fear, like in my mouth. Like, like floating out of my mouth. And it was like this, like, and everybody always asked me, what does fear taste like? It tastes like metal. Like it was tasting yeah. like like a, like a metal, like almost like when staplers were getting thrown at my face, kind of like that. And looking around the world and I was just like, it felt like a veil had dropped. Like you, I love that you talked about the veil in the beginning. Like it felt, cause I was like, wait, like I'm not, I'm not fighting for my life right now like it was almost this moment of like I can look around at life and not come from a place of fear and defense and and violence because I wasn't fighting for my life and it just things began to shift and I went into my first ayahuasca ceremony September 2015 and I mean that changed everything for me I completely like she completely took all of my addictions away from me i could not drink a drop of alcohol drugs completely gone i was in a relationship at the time that was very abusive all my relationships were at that time were abusive like every single one (laughs) and uh, we were living together so i was trapped you know Um, i had nowhere to go and um I, went into, I ended up found, finding myself in a second ayahuasca ceremony randomly, right? Just somebody at a nightclub was like, oh, do you want to drink? And I'm like, oh, I can't. They're like, why? I'm like, ever since I did this thing called ayahuasca, I can't drink. That woman was organizing ayahuasca ceremonies it just like boom happened going to my second ayahuasca ceremony a month after my first and getting this download of this relationship needs to end which he was a soulmate of mine for sure in in the way that he was meant to destroy me and and that she told me that you're going to move to California and i could feel the sun shine like shining on me the warmth i could feel, hear this ocean i i grazed my hand across the ground and it was sand and I just thought, oh, this is so nice, you know, and I I never even thought, I'd never thought about it again after that. Mm. A week after that, I got fired from my job. Of course. (laughs) I know, right? I was just like, what's happening? A week after that, me and my ex get into the biggest physical fight that we almost like killed each other that it like, it ended us, right? So I had to move out. So I'm like looking for apartments. I mean, I have no money now. I'm like, you know, I'm just like distraught. I remember I was like curled up in fetal position in my office and I was underneath the table and I was just like desolate. You know, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. And this hand kind of took this life of its own and started like grazing my head like this. And I heard like a literal voice say, I love you and I will never leave you and you're going to be okay. And in that moment I got up and I was like, man, I visited San Diego like two years ago and I really liked it. Remember that girl that you stayed at with an Airbnb? She was really nice. You still have her number, text her. And I texted her in that moment. I said, hey, um, let me know if you know anybody looking for a roommate because I'm looking to move. She's like, I'm looking for a roommate. Within, I don't know, four weeks of that conversation, she had found us an apartment. I didn't have enough money to move, but I had put all of my ex's furniture on a credit card. He paid me out on that credit card. It was $3,500. It cost me exactly $3,500 to the dollar to move, move my boxes, move my car, plane ticket. Oh, no plane ticket. I actually had enough points, free flight, paid the rent, everything. Like within two months, I was gone. It was the easiest move of my life. I literally, she did Airbnb. She had all this furniture for me. I literally get here and I'm like, what the fuck just happened? What just happened? I had no idea. I just I felt like she floated me out of that environment and placed me here and was like, "All right, let's 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 get started." And I just I just figured it out. I I ended up that same girl that I ran into in the nightclub that was organizing ayahuasca ceremonies in in New York. Like three weeks later, after I had like walked into a nightclub here, got a job. She's like, Hey, didn't you just move to San Diego? And I'm like, yeah, she goes, I just dropped uh, the shaman off at the airport. He's on his way to San Diego for a ceremony. I'm like, Fuck, of course, of course, <laughs> <laughs> found myself in that ceremony, healed a lot, went to Peru, found the love of my life. I mean, it just continues on like that, right? The journey just continues to pull you forward. And I've just been trusting and surrendering and, and just allowing ever since and really working through all of, all of my blockages against that. Right. And reprogramming all of my beliefs about myself and, and, and it's been, you know, what, five years now, five years going on six of me being completely awake for this transition and really understanding like, God, like I am, you know, one of the the major revelations I've had within, within medicine is just like, you have control over nothing. (laughs) Oh that's true. <laughs> right. And this illusion that we have this control but you know if 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 life is meant to pull you in a direction there's nothing that will stop it from doing that, you know? And um yeah, I mean, it's just been—it's been a roller coaster ride. It's been the sweetest, sweetest ride ever, and I'm just—I'm just so grateful to be here.
0: <laughs> oh man, Diana, your energy is so beautiful. Your light is beautiful. Your—you know—the fact that you've dedicated yourself to—to to this calling, and I, I just—not always do you get appreciated for that, and so I just—I want to just take a moment and appreciate you, you. for dedicating yourself to the dark. Path Like this is the, you know it is a path of light but in order to get to the light we got to go through the shadows and working with ayahuasca is one of those medicines that brings you all the way into your shadow to find your light like it, it this is not a, a lightweight thing. <laughs> this yeah. is challenging you got to go all the way in there you got to find out uncomfortable things about yourself and be willing to see that and feel mm-hmm. that and, and make new choices, you know, and the choices are easier after the healing. Right. So you can really change your life a lot. Like you're talking about.
1: Yeah. Yeah. In the flow. Yeah. I mean, it definitely, it definitely took a couple, you know, what, what I actually encouraged me and inspired me to actually become a coach was I actually wanted to be an integration coach. Because what I was really seeing from my own experience of like my first kind of two years in the medicine was that I wasn't integrating. Like I wasn't... Yeah, like I was just going to the medicine and I was being codependent on ayahuasca to like heal all my issues and solve all my problems. And then I would come back into my life and still go punch somebody in the face and still go curse somebody out and still be like, like a bitch to some random person. You know what I mean? So I wasn't integrating. And it was still like, you know, kind of having this one foot in your in in your former version of yourself and one foot in this new version that's still developing. So you're kind of that in, the, in that in-between stage. So you're taking like, you know, five steps forward, three steps back constantly. And I wasn't seeing any, like, progress in my life. I was, you know, I was still working at a nightclub, even though I was sober. You know, I was still, like, not feeling good enough. I was still having issues with my own wealth and my own worthiness. And I was still accepting less than I deserved. And I still didn't have confidence in my voice. Like, I was still coming into form. And it wasn't until I started to hire mentors, teachers, coaches to really help me do the integration work in the physical world in the conscious world while i'm still doing the healing work in the cosmic world in the mystical world did i really start to see oh i love
0: the that just, i you love see. the way you just said that the cosmic the mystical yeah and so that the was practical kind of, physical
1: yeah right because right, there's i mean both you know you're having one foot in on one world and one in the other yeah so- like try to like meld that in together so you know for me i was like as i was organized so i was started organizing ayahuasca ceremonies uh in southern california for the actually the last four years and so what i was you know what i the responsibility that i felt to to bring this medicine to the people but also to see them actually have change in their life and actually integrate and actually create you know sustainable changes like I was like no like I need to help them and people were coming to me for you know that stuff anyway so I was like let me create something out of it and that's kind of where I was inspired to to become like a spiritual teacher and a and an intuitive coach in in this realm and it's kind of then taken a life of its own so
0: (laughs) (sighs) it's a lot it's a big path because especially when you're facilitating circles for the lady it's like that ayahuasca is one of those oh, she's very fierce. She's no BS. So then you, you know, when you're standing in her medicine as a conduit of that, in my experience of it is that it's a ferocious truth. It's like really like being willing to just be surrendered to whatever it is she's bringing forth for you to see, witness, experience, and then be willing to just open your heart to it, and not, you know, not close, but open to it. Like it's like here's here's the sword, <sighs> gets, you know, like just letting it in, because it's a sword of love. I mean, it's really love on the other side of that painful truth or that, you know, the the thing you're realizing. It's it's a beautiful thing, and it's it's hard to face some of this stuff. So we have a whole collective that's har- that's having trouble facing things. Right, right.
1: And, um, you know, I think you and I talked about this um, on our other call, but like having done this work for the past, you know, five years has really prepared me for this year.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's for true. I think anybody who's, who's like invited ayahuasca or any of the plant medicines into their life this year has been okay. Actually, it's been like, oh, all right, there's a lot of stuff happening, but it's okay. But it's really more like people that haven't done any of this work are like, oh! You know, like having one of those moments, <laughs> you know, yeah, like what's going yeah. on? Like everything's falling apart and we're like, oh, that's great. What are you talking about? <laughs> everything's fine. Yeah. We're, just, shadow stuff. Yeah, just, we're just purging. <laughs> we're just purging out a lot of stuff. we just it's purging. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. It's that it's really recognizing how to let go too. I think, you know, at, at least on my personal journey, I like what you're talking about with, um, like it's almost like you can't even resonate. I actually saw this picture of myself um, right after I birthed my first child. I, I was looking back over some pictures and just, you know, thinking about my oldest son and just reminiscing. And I, I looked at this picture, these pictures, and I'm like, I don't even know who I am. Like that person that was me, I'm looking, I'm like, who is that? I, I don't know who that is. And so I took this time to just try to connect with that. And it really felt like a two-dimensional doll, you know, like I know it was a picture, but it just felt so 2D. And then here I am now and I'm like, maybe that's because I'm 5D, you know, but it just feels like so shallow, you know? And I know I was going through so much at that time in my life. So it was not a shallow experience because I know cognitively what I was going through. But yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to tap into who you were when you transform so radically,
1: yeah, yeah, you know, and there are also moments where I kind of dip back into that space because I'm, I'm still healing some parts of it. And you know, yeah. after it, it's, it's like like you said, sometimes I look at the pictures and it's very flat, right? That person I could feel almost like just like, like the static that like that she was moving through. It was like mud, you know. It's just so it was so so much resistance, right? And And so right now, like as I'm healing through some some intimacy things, right? Like I have like a new love in my life and I feel really supported and I feel like the most support I've ever felt in my entire life (laughs) and it's so beautiful. But then it it gets into this particular place where there's this pain of never having been supported ever of having lived life alone for so long, right? And so this love is like shooting into this place to heal it and then boom, comes out all of these dark shadows of that were still there. And I'm like, I find myself completely in appreciative of this amazing person in my life, but also crying hysterically from the sadness and all the loneliness and all the pain that she was still feeling that has still been like just engraved in there, you know, and that that's coming out, that's purging, right? I
0: really understand that so well. Same thing happened to me when I found my partner Akeem and he just opened my heart. He has just consistently opened my heart with so much love and so much grace. And he's like, same thing. He's made it so safe. And almost in the safety is when like, he's holding me in this beautiful, safe, safe space the last four years. And that's when All the shit erupted in my family of origin. Like my dad passed away, and then everything else just went, you know, like, and it was just like, and now I, it's like I faced the deepest core wound of just never really feeling loved, wanted, desired, cherished supported uplifted celebrated oh. just never having felt that and the one person who gave me the feel like some of those feelings passed away so it's like so interesting how the love the love let actually lets us open more mm-hmm. to release the pain to witness the pain to feel the pain yeah
1: yes yes oh I love how you how you describe hmm. that because yeah it, it's really it is it, it, that's what love is meant to do it's meant to heal us and you know when we close ourselves off to and I think that's what I had been doing these past couple of years you know when I had went to Peru um, you know I did find what I thought was the love of my life because we met at an ayahuasca ceremony how what do you yeah, mean? yeah like, well, I mean
0: of course we were meant to it's be together to be forever. beautiful right <laughs>
1: He was actually, (laughs) apparently we were together in a past life, which is why it felt so intense, but I thought I was going to marry him. And then for us to not end up together, you know, two and a half years later, it was like, it destroyed me. And it, I mean, and as much as surrendered as I am and as much as I trust in the divine and and I'm completely, like, have unwavering faith in the path that, like, even at the time, I was like, what the hell? You know what I mean? Like, hands to the sky in the dirt on Mount Shasta, like, crying my eyes out. Like, come on, like, what's happening here, you know? And, and realizing like I had really closed myself off energetically right to to love and Mm -hmm. and everything I just I I just I shriveled up and I focus a hundred percent on this external achievement which is not the worst thing because I created a business so I mean that was cool you know what I mean but what I realized too in this in this new love that's kind of emerging right now in my life is that when we really focus on receiving, right, from our our feminine essence, like the feminine is all about receiving, right? So once I really opened up to receive not only my own self-worth, right, not only my purpose, my path, not only then my abundance, right, then then my voice, then my whatever, I was just, I started just to, once I surrendered this idea of this identity of who I thought I was and allowed myself to receive my truth, in all of these different forms, how they manifested in the physical, right? My business and and the thriving and, and allow I, And then to then allow myself to receive love, you know, and just really mm. understanding like that surrender of that, that feeling of trust and feeling safe is really with the divine as well as within a relationship. Right. And they're, they're the same. It's,
0: it's the really, so I'll tell you this. So when I met Akeem, I had a 20 year relationship. I had a 20 year marriage. Yeah, That was quite a classroom for me to learn about speaking my truth and not suppressing my feelings and leading into uncomfortable conversations. Cause I just avoided all of them. I just avoid, avoid, avoid. I took the wine. I had the not feeling pills. I went, you know, at art shows I escaped in any way I could. There was a lot of avoidance. So I learned about how that doesn't serve you. Okay, so, (laughs) and it just brings things to a very dark, nasty place. And then you just can't, you can't recover at some point from how low it goes. So I learned that. And then, so with Akeem, when I met him, I said, okay, yes, he asked me to marry him. And I said, yes, I said, but we're, if we do it, we're going right into ceremony like yeah. immediately with the plants yeah. because whatever needs healing, our, this relationship is just fundamentally foundation of spirit yes. first. Yes. And and we need to make that clear. And that first night in ceremony, it was like the message I got was, this is a divine union. And that's really, I think, in my heart, I feel it's because we made the choice that this divine first and everything else second because there what else is there? It's the divine. It's that it's no false idols. Like there is the divine first and then everything else falls out from that place.
1: Ah, oh, yes, yes.
0: I feel so feel so yummy. <laughs> it, and it is. And I don't expect this like that's the other change is I don't expect it now to not have problems. Right it's the problem is not the problem. The problem is the thing that needs healing. The problem is the way it's the, it's the doorway for us to find more about ourselves. Yeah. Whereas I think in our first relationships, we can get wrong ideas about things, you know, until you have enough ayahuasca and then you start realizing. Really
1: <laughs> <up>. <laughs> so, I mean, definitely our triggers are our teachers, right? We're here to, and you I know, love I, that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, somebody said the other day, it was like a a wise person will thank you for triggering them, you know, and really understanding that, yeah, it's, it's okay. It's not, that's why we're here. That's why we're here. We're here to help each other. We're here to uplift each other and to, to assist as we grow and evolve and and shed layers of who we're not to continue to come back to who we are, you know? So it's, uh, yeah, it's been a beautiful, beautiful unraveling of, of so much.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I like that you said our triggers are our teachers because that's definitely true. And I think a lot of people, they have these false ideas that we're supposed to avoid triggering each other. We're supposed to be nice. Being nice doesn't work very well, Diana, does it?
1: (laughs) I prefer to be honest. Honest is good.
0: You can say things in a loving heart-centered way, right? Right. But like, I love that you actually just you spoke very clearly and concisely about your experience with your mother and about the challenges that you faced. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people shy away from being that honest about things. Mm-hmm. So what do you think helped you to be honest about that? What is, what's, what's part of your journey that's really helped you to be honest about what you experienced?
1: Um, I have no shame around it. I have no shame around it. I know it was none of that was my fault. I know none of it was her fault either. And that's, what's really hard for my family to understand why I can continue to talk about them in this way where they feel like I'm bashing them or I'm dragging them through the mud. And I'm like, no, like, I love you. And I, I appreciate what you've done for me and I appreciate what I went through so that I can be the person that I am now. And, you know, to this day, my parent, my mother and my sister do not speak to me, um, because they feel. Well, my mother probably mostly ashamed of herself, my sister embarrassed and just wanting to, you know, deny and and call me a liar and all these things um which is fine you know what i mean i've had to take time to be okay with them being on their journey with it and there i'd be and accept that they're not ready to face the things that i face because obviously they didn't do 70 ayahuasca ceremonies in five years so they don't get why i'm doing this <laughs> and that's okay right but for me why i can be honest because i face it i i've spent many nights crying my eyes out about it, feeling the pain, feeling the trauma, feeling her pain, right? Feeling my mother's pain, feeling her trauma, walking walking literally in her shoes as, the, as I experienced the things she experienced as a child to have hurt her in this way that have damaged her in this way for her to be such a like imbalanced person, right? And incapable of just, love. Like it, it's just, it's sad. You know what I mean? So for me, like how I can be okay with it because I'm I'm just very equanimous with it. Like it is what it is. Like there's nothing wrong with it for me. Yeah. I don't see anything wrong with what happened to me and I don't see anything wrong with what she did and there's no blame or, or shame around it. I just, it just is.
0: It just is. And, you know, until people are ready to wake up themselves, they're never going to get that. Yeah. But if you've been through a journey like you and I have been through, you've been through this deep work, and I would say deep work because ayahuasca and things like that, that is a very deep journey. It is experiencing not just your own journey, but you can actually, because our bodies are made of our ancestors, we have ancestral DNA, our bodies are made of our ancestors, you can actually experience, like you were saying, your mother's journey by being under this, this plant that's guiding you. To, to into your ancestral journey. Like you can actually experience what it's like to be her. You can feel it and the truth is we're always feeling it anyway because we're empathic it's just that there's filters on the empathy Mm -hmm. and so um we can feel other people's feelings we can feel their life experience we can even see their outlook on life Mm -hmm. the more psychic you get and the plant opens you up to being able to do that if you know if you haven't really unlocked those psychic gifts the plant unlocks it for you so you can experience that and i've had moments like that too and you get these questions like ayahuasca will ask you like like for me there was a relationship from my mom and my first stepfather that was very violent and i and ayahuasca is like um that's your that's the karma they shared between them
1: mm-hmm.
0: so although i was impacted by it by hearing the violence and hearing what was going on and feeling it and sensing it and being scared that that was their karma so i could be like you said i could judge it and involve myself in the karma right Or I could realize that that was something between the two of them yeah. and create a boundary there. So that's what I love about the medicine is that it helps you to be so clear about these soul agreements and relationships Mm -hmm. and why they unfold, which allows you to be vocal and talk about it. Mm -hmm. But people who haven't had that perspective, they're still... They take everything personally. So they hear you talking about it and they think it's about them. And it's like, no, it's really not. It's hard to explain it to you because you're not taking the medicine. So you're not in it. You don't really understand. But this is a collective experience experienced individually. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, yes. Absolutely. 100%. And the true freedom comes when we detach ourselves from the judgment of it. which is
0: not easy, Diana. It's not even I still have and I've done a bunch of I haven't done as many as you, but I've done a bunch of ceremonies. I don't know how many now I can't I have last count. But I know it's not as many as you. (laughs) Still, I still have trouble with that. Like, I still feel like my little girl, my little child inside, inside will still have feelings. My teenage girl still has feelings about these things. And they'll come up, you know, when things get triggered.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'm not saying I'm out here doing it perfectly either. You know what I mean? Of course we have our <laughs> moments, but I, I, I strive to continue to return to that space when I feel myself kind of coming back into this, you know, judgy kind of like egoic. Type like how of-
0: could they do that to me thing? Uh.
1: Yeah like even now, like when, like, she's, she's going to hate me forever for talking about this. I don't even care. It's fine. So my sister won't let me see my niece. And it's so, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart so much, you know? And, um, and then I just, you know, and I, And I'll sit there and cry about it. And I'll sit there and take it personally for 10 minutes. And I'll sit there and feel all the the searing pain of her words at me, right? They're they're like like little laser energy beams of like pain and daggers. And I'm just like, ah, and I receive it. I'm like, this hurts so much. And then I just, I try to go through that little journey of like, okay, it's not about me. This is about you. I love you unconditionally. It doesn't matter. I let this go. I surrender to the reality of this moment i surrender to the impermanence of this moment and this will also change and honestly what's really helped me do that mm. is my 10-day silent meditation that i think i mentioned to you that i've done yeah tell us about that yeah yeah so i i did i jot in joshua tree they have a vipassana center and i was in there um for 11 days meditating silently no books no journals no work like literally they want you to shut down all these other parts of your brain Mm. to only activate this one part of your brain for meditation and after doing you know 70 ayahuasca ceremonies i can honestly say that was the most intense thing i've ever done in my life was the 10 day silent meditation because What's happening with ayahuasca is that you're half, you know, half in the mystical world, half in the, you know, in the, in the cosmic realms. And she's like guiding you and she's carrying you and she, you're so taken care of. And you just kind of go along for this ride. Right. Whereas in the 10 day silent meditation, it's like an 11 day ayahuasca ceremony, but you are completely conscious. You're doing it by yourself. You're not only unraveling, purging, healing at the same time, but you're also integrating all simultaneously so all these, things, these different things are happening like I mean and you don't even realize because you're just like you know first couple days you're sitting there and I'm like I'm in pain my body's in pain all this stuff starts to come up like what they say it's like a purification of the mind right so as soon as you begin to settle your mind all the gunk is going to rise to the surface and so it unlocked memories I had forgotten about abuse that just like would all of a sudden like explode inside of me and all of a sudden it's just like I'm like hysterically crying and like all throughout the Vipassana center, like all these other people, like they would just be crying in the corner on the path and the tree. Like you just see people breaking down because they're finally just sitting with their pain and all the things that they've avoided and, and truths that they they've denied, you know, and, and just getting in touch with their, them, their true selves. And it's just, it creates, so what we learned in there was equanimity, right? So equanimity as in like everything just is right there isn't like these highs and lows that we have it just we're just constantly present and everything is impermanent so why even involve yourself emotionally with the impermanence of all things we are impermanent everything we see is impermanent we attach to them and we create suffering for ourselves and so you know, I came out of there completely changed. Like it was almost like people were like, are you okay? Like, cause I just had like no reaction to anything. (laughs) And I was just like, like, like this like so Zen, you know, and they're out there like, but don't you still want to feel happiness? I'm like, I feel so much happiness. Like I'm so like content and happy, but I'm not like bouncing off the wall and then having a low and you know what I mean? Like, it just wasn't like that. So it's like, it was life-changing, life-changing, and it was it was so, so supportive of the work that I'm doing now that I continue to do.
0: Well, that's a demonstration of joy. Yeah. Because happiness is what we strive for when we're, like, forcing it to happen from our will, and we're, like, pulling our energy up and, like, mantras and, like, you know, like, going to make it happen, and you you kind of forcing all that to happen. Yeah. But joy comes from peace.
1: Yes. And
0: acceptance.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: And, and joy is, is a powerful feeling. And it's, it's very permanent, actually. You can cut yourself off from it, but it's always there. You know, it's always available. And gratitude. Oh, (laughs) joy, love, gratitude, awe. Yeah, all on the other side of Quieting down the chattering mind, it just won't shut up. Yeah, yeah. I told
1: my client yesterday, I'm like, happiness is hard work, like, you think it is. She's only been working with me for what, like 10 months? And she's like, it's like, you know, she's young. So she expects like a magic pill for it all to be like solved now. I'm like, girl, (laughs) happiness is hard work and healing is a full-time job. So unless you're willing to commit and show up consistently to continue to face this stuff down, I mean, it's always going to be a struggle. But that's what we signed up for when we came here. So (laughs) we signed
0: up for this earth school. We signed up to be to embody as Earth and to be connected in the oneness of this experience and to be, you know, basically pitted with each other. I wouldn't like to say against each other, but more like with for each other. Yeah. But it feels like against sometimes. But it's really it's so that we each have that contrast so we can learn from each other. Yeah. yeah. Work through our stuff, you know, work through the learning. And at this point, we're just in some major upheaval because we're transitioning from two totally different energetics for thousands of, e- thousands of years of age of Pisces, we're going into thousands of years of age of Aquarius. This is not even the same thing. It's a complete redirect. So yeah, it's kind of intense right now, 2020. <laughs> I know. What can we really expect in the age of Aquarius? I need to dive more deeper into. I mean, I'm an Aquarius, so it's oh like- well. You're going to be feeling pretty good about um. Okay, December twenty first, I think. <laughs> Guessing. Yeah. Well, tell me. You just reach out to me and let me know. So, how do people get started with you, Diana? Like, how do? How, what's the best way for people to get to know your work and know more about you?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you can find me on Instagram. It's at the Urban Indigo the urban indigo which basically encapsulates my entire essence right like i am a spirit child of the universe but i'm also still from new york so i'm a little spicy and
0: <laughs> the spice is fine I, you can see yeah. my hair so it's nice is good
1: so and i love it all of my clients are all such good like like beautiful reflections of me you know so we all got a little bit of edge but we're all still very connected and um doing the work you know and, and devoted to to the divine and so uh you can find me on there most of my content is on there and yeah i'm just out here being of service in whatever way i can so depending on when this interview comes out i'll probably be working on a new project by then as well so just check in with me i'll be there and just sharing my heart as always so-
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. And thanks for taking the time out to come share your voice over here on Soul Nectar Show. I appreciate that. I'm just going to encourage everybody to check out Diana, go connect with her on Instagram and share out her posts and share what she's doing. I know that the summit that we did together is probably going to be long out there by the time you guys see this, because this will go out like probably in April, but you stay tuned for her next one, because I'm sure it will kick ass. Yes. And in the meantime, anything else you want to tell people on their way out? Um,
1: on their way out, I would say it's an inside out process, not
0: an outside in process on your way out. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. All right, you guys. So do us a favor. I always ask you people to help us to get the messages out there. It's kind of like we're building a light grid of all these interviews out there. And so help us connect more dots, please share it out, spread it out. Share it with people that you think would really benefit from hearing this conversation. And that's how you can help me and Diana to get the messages out there that we're working so hard to do. And here's how we're going to help you. We're going to give you love kisses. Here they come. Are you going to help me? Yes. (laughs) Yes. yes. Here come your love kisses, everybody. This is how we help you. Okay. Mm -hmm. Love you. See you next time on Soul Nectar Show. Bye for now, everybody. Bye. To dive in deeper to nourishing conversation, visit soulnectar.show. Soul Nectar Show, awaken. Awake soul nectar. nectar Show, take a soul sip from the drip of nectar, from the, the source Nectar Show.